You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Number 81, Marianne Hosa. So welcome to a special interview edition of 32 Thoughts, the podcast presented by GMC and the new AT4X, Merrick Friedman Delich. You know, my first experience with a Slovak hockey player, I mean, and maybe it's the same for you, Elliot, since we're the same vintage, was the 1976 Canada Cup. And the one player that I really fell in love with and was intrigued by because I loved goaltenders and there were some colorful ones in the 70s, I was intrigued by Vladimir Zarilla, mm-hmm. who was outstanding in that Canada Cup. Now, the biography on, on Zarilla was, by trade, he was a refrigerator repairman. That's a true story. Now, in addition to being you know Dominic Hasek's inspiration, this guy had a 9-to-5 as a refrigerator repairman. He also spent almost 20 years as a netminder for the Czechoslovakian national team. He was awesome in that tournament. And then the page flipped from decade to decade. And in the 80s, I fell in love with Peter Stastny. I love the Quebec Nordiques. I love Stastny. Great Slovak hockey player. Spot quiz. You can use this one to parties, everybody. In the 1980s, the high-scoring 80s, Wayne Gretzky was the uh, the leading scorer. Who was number two? It was Peter Stastny. And those were my two main favorite Slovak hockey players. I think you have one who's rather tall and uh, and recently wrapped it up. Yeah, Chara, is, as you know, he was always my favorite. I, I love dealing with Chara. But I love Stasny too, and I do remember Zarilla. I mean, there isn't a oh. Canadian hockey fan or probably a hockey fan anywhere who's our age who hasn't seen the goal that Daryl Sittler scored to end the 1976 Canada Cup. And Zarilla was absolutely brilliant that series. That one particular play, he came out to almost the blue line, as I yes. remember, <laughs> to try yes. to challenge Sittler. Yes. <laughs> Great moment. <laughs> Great moments in goaltending. Well, you know, and, and this brings us to, you know, someone that I've, you know, embarrassingly gushed about for years and was a real thrill mm-hmm. to sit down and, and talk to him, and that's Marion Hosa. Um, he has a new book out called Marion Hosa, My Journey from Trenchin to the Hall of Fame, uh, alongside Scott Powers. I'm really happy he made it to the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm really happy that his number is retired by the Chicago Blackhawks. And to me, the one thing that I've always said about Hosa, there's an old saying in hockey, you can't give a great player a bad pass. To me, no one proved that more than Marion Hosa Fridge. 
The other thing I think about him is that Hosa was, in a lot of ways, I think the perfect complementary player. He could play with just about anybody, and it kind of goes to what you said there. Uh, you could put him on any team with any great player, and he could play alongside him. And as we've learned, not everybody can do that. No. It's a harder skill than you think, yeah. and Hosa was phenomenal at it. The one thing about Hosa, too, is he's, how should I say this? He's a hockey player's hockey player. Like, he's the guy the players look at and, like, the tiny little things that hockey players marvel at. Marion Hossa makes them look easy. Like, if you go around and talk to players that played either with him or against him and you bring up his name, they'll just start gushing about how awesome he is and how envious they are about this particular skill or, or that particular skill. Anyhow, here's Marion Hossa on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, a special interview. It was our pleasure to, to sit down with the Hall of Famer, we hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy talking to the Hall of Famer. Listen to 32 Thoughts, the podcast, ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Left wing feed and Isamov. His pass across ice makes its way through to Hosa for the shot. He There it is. Number 500 for Marion Hosa. And his teammates are well aware of it as he gets the hugs over by the Chicago bench. 44th player in NHL history with 500 goals. Just an outstanding career for Marion Hulsa. One of the best two-way players in the game. Holland getting back. Christine Tandalus, there's Hosa with a stop shot. He scores! A Steve, terrific forecheck, has given the Blackhawks the lead. And there's a 1,000 career points. Only 79 other guys in the history of the league has ever reached that milestone. He does it in his 1,100th career game. A 1,000 points in a storied career. Four-time Stanley Cup finalist, four-time Slovakian Olympian. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences, People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Elliot, there's so much we can say about Marion Hosts that we would probably spend the majority of this interview just setting it up. Here are the thumbtacks. He is a Hockey Hall of Famer. 
He is one of the best wingers of his generation. He is a Stanley Cup champion. And now we can also say, Elliot, he is an author, the author of My Journey from Trenchin to the Hall of Fame. Please welcome Marion Hosa. Marion, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. Nice to see you guys. Uh, I'm doing uh, really well. How is life for Marion Hosa right now? Give us a snapshot. Like, what is your day-to-day like? How do you fill your time? What are you interested in right now? It's slower than it uh, used to be when I was playing, but also mm-hmm. more busier uh, in the different areas, uh, you know, like more more business-oriented. But I still keep an eye uh, on how the Blackhawks are playing, you know, still got the... Uh, to my really good friends uh, playing, and uh, definitely uh, I'm in contact with the Blackhawks organization. You know, I just love hockey. I'm not playing anymore, but I, uh, I still like keep in the loop, you know, keep checking the scores and uh, see how my favorite players are doing. So who are your favorite players? Who do you watch? Well, Connor McDavid, you know, like uh, I love watching that guy. Like there is, you know, he's like from different planet, uh, McKinnon. Those guys, uh, you know, they're excited player to watch. But there is like so many great young players. But also like, uh, you know, I talked to Kaner the other day. You know, love to watch him. Uh, Johnny Taves, uh, you know, having a good start in the season. So uh, obviously guys I used to play with, but also some young, exciting superstars. Uh, it's always when they score, I click, you know, I want to see the goal. I, I knew there's something always happening. Now, you were a really good defensive player, Marion. If you were lined up against Connor McDavid, what would you do? <laughs> In one uh, chapter, I was like writing a little bit uh, about him. Uh, I think he was 19 yeah. years old when he jumped in the league. Uh, well, obviously, he jumped in as 18, right? I was, uh, we play in Edmonton, and uh, I think that was in their zone. I was handling the puck. All of a sudden, he poked it, and he was gone. And thanks God, the puck bounced over his stick, so I got it back. And I just passed it and went to change. And I, I started scratching my head on the bench. I was like, I think this is the first time I would never have a chance to catch this guy. Like, I usually disrupt guys, you know, like back checking, but this guy would be gone. I have no chance. And I sit on a bench for a half a second. I was thinking, I never feel this way, you know? <laughs> I think that's an outstanding story, too, because I'm, listen, you played in an era where there were some great skaters as well and some countrymen as well. And listen, uh, Marion Gabrick's one of my favorite hockey players of all time. And boy, could he ever fly outside of Connor McDavid. Who did you find that the toughest to check was like, like as Elliot mentions, you're a great 200 foot player. I've always maintained and I'm, I think Elliot shares the same sentiment Like you should, there should have been at least a couple of Selkie trophies behind you on that trophy shelf uh, by the time your career was done. But who else did you find really challenging who had just amazing foot speed? Pavel Datsuk, you know, I just felt like he had like tricks in his sleeves. And uh, I mentioned one chapter in my book about him because I think he was really, really special player and uh, playing with him uh, was so much easier you know i was mentioning in the book also i was lucky to play different teams with uh, so many special players like in pittsburgh with uh sydney crosby and uh Eugene malkin you know then i went to detroit you know there was zetterberg datsuk and uh, obviously another hall of famers nick lindstrom chris chelios and uh, in Chicago, you got Johnny Taves and uh, Patrick Kane. So obviously, I was really lucky to be in a great, great teams to play with the special players, and uh, you know, help me to become a really better player. 
Okay, so there's a there's a few stories that you talk about here in the book that really I, I I always look for the stories I didn't know about you. Okay, and so there were a couple I wanted you to talk about. Number one, Mario Lemieux called you and told you we want you back in Pittsburgh, and you turned him down. How hard was it to say no to Mario Lemieux? One of the toughest phone calls I ever had. Uh, his jersey hanging. Uh, right here because he was my favorite player with, uh, with uh, Wayne Gretzky. You know, mm-hmm. there's uh, two jerseys when I was growing up. You know, I said, "Wow, these guys are unreal." When I, I knew when I finished my career, I, I want to personalize the jersey, sign it for me, and I was really scared to ask Mario because <laughs> you know, I was rejecting, you know, their offer. And but he was so nice uh, to obviously uh, to sign it for me, and he had no problem with that. And uh, come back to the phone call. There was summer 2000, uh, I think eight. And uh, when he called me, I was driving in a highway, and uh, I saw some US number. So I pick it up, and I'm I'm driving on a hands free, and all of a sudden it's like, uh, Marion, it's Mary LMU calling you. And I was like, like my idol is calling me. It's like no way. So I pull over like first gas station I could, you know. When I step on the brakes, I was like breathing heavier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know obviously he told me uh you know they really want me we were negotiating already with my agent and uh my agent was telling me like how the things are and obviously i wasn't sure and i had like detroit also really interested uh but only one year and i felt scared to tell at the time but i didn't know at the time you know i'm gonna sign with detroit I told Mario, I was like, uh, we're really working on it. You know, I really appreciate your offer and I uh, will get back to you with my agent. So there was a quick phone call. I never forget a phone call like that because Mario Lemieux only called you one. <laughs> <laughs> the other one I really remember and I loved Marion was, because I'm trying to imagine myself in your shoes here. So you win the first Stanley Cup in 2010 and you're going home after that summer and you're going to get married. And you forgot the dress at your apartment in Chicago. And here's my question. Do you think they shut the door on the plane if you lose that series to Philadelphia? Do you think you only held the door open because you won? That's a great question. You know, we were renting the first year apartment and we were moving. I already bought one, uh, like not far away. So we were like moving. You know, I was still like a little hangover from the celebration and things going on and I'm moving slowly. My, you know, we're getting dressed for my wife. So finally the dress is hanging there. All the bags are packed. So we brought all the, all the bags to the car downstairs and things just hung in the door. And we just jump on the car and drive to the heavy traffic in Chicago. Finally, we got to the airport. It's like, yes, finally we're in the airport, good timing. And it's like, where's the dress? He's like, oh, no, oh, I hang there. Like, we cannot ship it, right? Because it's going to get all wrinkled and stuff. So we're calling our like, uh, friend, and uh, she's right there. So they open the door, but I said, like, there is no chance we're going to make it, right? They told us, like, you guys have, like, 45 minutes. Like, with this traffic, 45 minutes, there is no chance, like, she's going to make it. <laughs> and uh, they kept the door, you know, open for maybe a few minutes uh, late, longer for us. And... They want to stand the cup. They start celebrating for us <laughs> with a dress. The whole plane on the beginning, you know, I was like, oh, they're going to get mad, you know, be careful. And they were like clapping hands, you know, obviously they knew we just won. So they were super nice. And answer your question, I think you are right. You know, I think they would close the door. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm always curious about players who influenced you when you were young. Like I'll, I remember my father, okay, before the 1976 Canada Cup tournament. I still remember, my dad passed away a few years ago, but I can always remember him telling me about Peter Stastny. Oh, you wait till you see Peter Stastny. You wait till you see the Stastny. This guy is so, and he was, I mean, Peter Stastny is like one of the best players ever, but there was one other Slovak player on the Czechoslovakian team, the netminder, Vladimir Zarilla, who I just absolutely adored. So Zarilla and Rogi Vashon were the two goaltenders in the final. So those were the two, my first experiences with Slovak hockey players. Two of the best, Peter Stastny, Vladimir Zarilla. Growing up, who are your favorite players? Who are your favorite Slovak hockey players? Those are two big names. Uh, you see, uh, obviously, the Stastny brothers were yeah. a huge uh, effect uh, to play National yeah. Hockey League. They put a big name for Slovakia, period. Uh, you know, Peter had an unbelievable career. Uh, I just met him uh, last year at the airport. He was flying to St. Louis. I was flying to Chicago, and we met, mm. uh, you know, in the lounge, and we started talking. So that was uh, nice uh, nice to see him. Uh, those are big, big brothers' names, uh, and they put a big uh, stamp for Slovakian other players coming yeah. to National Hockey League. But uh, obviously, they're older generation. When I was growing up, uh, I remember Peter Bondra from Slovakian players. You know, yeah. one of those guys I really like love to watch his uh, speed. You know, goal scoring goals for Washington, and also like uh, Ziggy Palfi was fun to watch. You know, he was like effortless little player, but just so smooth and uh, really, really just uh, fun to watch. Could you ever get a mullet like Ziggy Palfi had? Like, did you ever try anything like that? When I was 11 years old. <laughs> you did, eh? Yeah, I had one. Yeah, I got a, my first uh, hockey card, actually. It's kind of like a uh, red mullet, you know, like uh, short and <laughs> front, long in the end. It was the haircut then. Did you have that in Portland as well when you played in the Western League? Did you have the, the mullet back then? No, not anymore. I think that was the uh, only time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were, you know, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, you were a real, like, we you know, like Zdeno Chara ended up going to, to Prince George and, and you went to Portland. That was kind of like a real, a big moment for hockey in Canada and the Canadian Hockey League. Probably a, a big moment for you. Why did you make that decision to go play junior hockey in Canada? I was lucky. Uh, I got the opportunity as a 17-year-old before my draft year, play for the men's first time in uh, my home team in Trenching. Mm-hmm. So they gave me a chance, and I scored, I think, over 30 goals so that, that season. So for a 17-year-old, was really good. And uh, I got drafted by Ottawa because of that season, uh, and I started feeling really confident. Uh, I had, like, a good, uh, pretty decent world junior. Mm-hmm. Marshall Johnson, you know, really watched me. He scouted me, and uh, he drafted me. But uh, then uh, I had really good training camp as an 18-year-old. I think I won by points in the training camp. You know, I beat uh, Alexi Yashin, you know, and uh, Alexander Bake. I had more points than those guys. But then when the season started, they gave me a chance seven games. But yep. I, I started struggling, you know. I started learning, okay, this is not that easy that I thought. Uh, you know, this league is really hard. And my confidence went down. And they decided to send me to Portland uh, Winter Hub. So... Uh, first, I wasn't happy by the decision, but right now I was writing in a book that was the best decision they did for me because I gained confidence. I started learning how to adapt in North American style, live with a North American family, you know, get better in English in every different aspect. My roommate was Brandon Morrow, captain for Dallas Stars, so we spent a year there. 
together. And uh, that was an amazing journey. When was the moment, Marion, where you first said, I'm going to be fine here? Uh, I- I'm going to adapt and this is not going to be a problem for me to get there eventually? I think, uh, well, in, in the finals, my last game, there was third period, five minutes left. Uh, we won the Memorial Cup, but I got hurt like five minutes before the game. So final game of the season, you know, like, and I heard I tore my AMS, uh, ACL, basically really big operation was coming up in Ottawa. And they told me I need to stay in Ottawa and rehab the whole summer. So no going home. In the old rules, you remember clutching, grabbing, hooking, uh, slashing. So I was skinny kid, like really talented, but skinny kid. And uh, at that summer, I gained weight. I was really just, you know, my mom was there with me in the summer. She dropped me in a social center, or I think back then was named in Ottawa, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I told her, like, come back in four or five hours, you know, to pick me up. So every day I was doing like the rehab, working out upper body, and I just get bigger, stronger. And when the season came next day, like that year after, after Portland, I was way stronger. I gained muscle. Like I feel like nobody could touch me on the ice. Like I, my legs were so super strong. And I think at that point, I started feeling like I staying in this league. I don't want to move away anymore in the minors or anywhere else. I want to stay here. That uh, Ottawa team had some guys who were really committed to physical fitness, like Alfredson was, and obviously Chara was. Were you on Chara's level? Could you bike with Chara for like five hours or anything like that? That guy is like a madman. I remember him in my hometown <laughs> when he was training. Me and Gabby went a couple times with him to the, the, his training. After the first round of the training, we said, like, fuck it, you know. <laughs> you know <laughs> this is crazy. Like, you know, like, he's like, guys, you know, like, you don't have to finish all everything, but do this, right? And I'll finish it, everything, but you just do this and uh, just watch me to do it. And after, like, be ready for the next round. It's like, Z, this last time you see he's practicing with you, like, <laughs> this hand, you know, like, this is my making hands, you know, like, I cannot, like, go up and down the rope, like, five times like you and without <laughs> the legs. I was like, no way. Yeah, that guy is working like a madman. You know, that was an interesting team as well. I mean, to Elliot's point, like a lot of guys that were really dedicated to physical fitness and like Hall of Famers on that team. You're in the Hall of Fame. Daniel Alfredson is going to the Hall of Fame. Zdeno Chara will be in the Hall of Fame one day. Like that Ottawa Senators team, we may not have realized it at the time, even though it was a great team, but there were legitimate top of class, like all time players on that team. Did you feel that way when you were playing with the Senators? Like, hey, I'm looking around the room here and that guy's going to the Hall of Fame and that guy's going to the Hall of Fame and I'm going to the Hall of Fame. Not, not a chance. Uh, uh, I was just, uh, you know, doing baby steps. I, I tried to be the best I can be so I they cannot send me down to the minors or, you know, somewhere else. After I make the lineup, my goal was, like, help the team to score goals. After when I start scoring goals, I was putting, like, a uh, little higher standards every year to try to raise my game and that was my goal i wasn't like total like at all like thinking like uh, you know one time in a hall of fame or my jersey hanging one time somewhere that was like no way that was in my head at all you know my my goal was to win hockey game help the team to win hockey games and uh, try to you know be better hockey player each year that was my goal mm-hmm. but like you mentioned that that team in ottawa we had like really good teams I was there like seven years and unbelievable teams. We were winning lots of games in the regular seasons, but after when the playoffs came, 
we couldn't beat Maple Leafs, you know. It seems like Maple Leafs now, you know, they're an unbelievable team and they cannot yeah. pass the first round. I felt like, you know, some similarities when I was in Ottawa. You know, I, I remember Alfredson said, like, the one time that Ty Domi's head wasn't hard, he got cut and you guys lost a playoff series to them. But the one I remember, like, Marion, the closest you guys came, I mean, you were right there in 03. You were right there in 03. And I just wonder if you ever, like, what it was like just in the room after Game 7 against New Jersey and if after it was all over, you guys all said, we would have won the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, I remember it right. Uh, 2003, uh, we were down 3-1 against uh, New Jersey. They had like really strong defensive team. Obviously, Scott Stevens, you know, on a blue line. Uh, uh, Martin Brodeur in a net, like he was like, a, you know, student in his head. And that was like really difficult to score goals against them. But we find a way, win two games. All of a sudden, there was 3-3 and the seventh game was at home. And I think we got like unlucky goal at the end. Uh, by uh, by their Jeff Reason, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, we couldn't recover from that. But on the other hand, there was Anaheim Mighty Ducks, right, uh, beating somebody, and they were waiting in the finals. And I just felt like uh, you know everybody else. You know, I I felt like we had a better team. You know, anything could happen. Yeah, but I just felt like we were like stronger team on the lineup. Anaheim knocked off Detroit. Uh, I will never forget that. What a performance that was um, by the Ducks. Jaguar. Uh, Jaguar was fantastic. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the things. Okay, I'm gonna get on my. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get on something here. So one of the things, whenever I end up talking about you, Marion, I always say the same thing. I've never seen anyone take a pass better than Marion Hosa. Mm-hmm. You didn't. It seemed like you would never break stride. You would never bobble it. Guys could throw it in your skates, no problem. Guys could throw passes behind you, no problem. Where does that come from? Because Marion, I've never seen anyone take passes better than you. Well, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, I was when I was younger. I was playing uh, lots of soccer. You know, uh, outside of my apartment, we either play hockey or soccer. Uh, when I was younger, I, I play lots of soccer, also for other teams. Mm-hmm. My feet weren't as maybe as good to be a good soccer player than my hands were with a pug and a stick. Uh, so I think I picked the right sport. I think that definitely helped to play lots of soccer games, and uh, I just felt like. You know, I told my defenseman sometimes just put it on my feet, you know, like uh, or put it off the board and I'm going to pick it up some way. And obviously, sometimes I got lucky, but, uh, you know, I just felt like my coordination, my feet with my head uh, were working together. You know, so I just felt pretty confident when the puck was coming to my feet, I could pick it up. So you would tell defenseman, don't worry, just throw it towards me. It doesn't matter if it's in my feet. I got it. The gap is so close. So sometimes they cannot hit put you like as a right wing on my back and you know I usually was get, getting past on my back and either I told them like put it behind my back of the board I can mm-hmm. you know over skate it or just put it on my feet if their gap is too small and I can pick it up you know but uh, you know sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't uh, but they knew that so okay now we've got to ask you as a follow-up to Jeff's question who was the worst passer you ever made look good <laughs> like who, which, which player under, even if they had time, couldn't make a good pass? John Scott was pretty close to be bad pass. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things in the book that really stood out to me, Marion, was like, you were always very calm guy, like really good interview, but you're always very honest in your own way. 
And in the book, you're very honest in talking about John Muckler and Bob Hartley and Mike Babcock and, and some of the things that you saw and, and happened to you. Was there anything that you were nervous about to write that you said, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure I want to do this, but I'm going to do it? Well, uh, not really, because I I don't think I put anybody down. I, I you know I, I said about uh, Mike Babcock, you know, uh, he was the best coach to prepare mm-hmm. the players for the game, and I just felt he was pretty hard on a certain player type of players, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that was his style, you know, which is fine. You know, some players could burn after a season or two underneath him. I just felt like, you know, that was, that was the all true and there is nothing wrong, you know, like he was an unbelievable coach that doesn't make him a bad coach when I say this, but his preparation was unreal. And uh, obviously Bob Hartley was tough coach too, but, you know, he was sarcastic, but also funny, you know, so we mm-hmm. had a good laugh too with Bob. He could be honest and, uh, you know, we had a great time, you know, he loved me because he could trust me. But for some young players, it could be really hard. That story you told about him saying, do you think that was your best effort? I used to have a teacher that would do that to me. Like they would say, because you knew if you said, yes, that's my best effort, he would say, that's not good enough. And if you said no, they would say, well, why aren't you giving your best effort? So when you wrote about that story in the book, I had flashbacks to like high school. (laughs) Like I, I totally understood where you were coming from with that story. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, pretty special when he stopped the video. It was, you cannot win, basically, right? <laughs> but uh, but he put it in a like, funny way lots of times. So uh, when there was an about you, you could have a good laugh about it, right? <laughs> I want to ask you about Slovak hockey right now. Hockey in Slovakia. Um, it seems as if we're going into... Another golden age. I mean, uh, years previous, we mentioned Marion Gabrick a second ago. I always want to make sure that uh, Pavel Dimitra's name always gets recognized and, and mentioned. But, you know, we're heading into an era now. And you just look back at the last draft. Slavkovsky, Nemec, uh, Meshar, and those are three in the first round. And it's uh, we all know what happened last year uh, at the Olympics. Do you have a thought on where hockey in your home country is at right now, because it looks like it's starting to enter another golden age here. So it's been uh, really quiet, uh, lots of years. There was here and there, there was like some draft pick. Yeah. But this year, there was like big, big splash. I think the biggest uh, in the history in the Slovak hockey. I'm talking about the draft, obviously. Yeah. And uh, Slavkovsky, you know, going number one and Nemec number two, you know, they basically broke the record by marrying Gaborik uh, in our country. And that's a, that's a huge deal. So mm-hmm. I don't think ever before there was so much attention in our country about the draft that this year it was, you know. And uh, there is a close, really close look when I read the media in uh, Slovakia about Slavkovsky, you know, how he's doing. It's like never been about the one player like it is now. So definitely uh, it was great story uh, to put Slovakia again on a hockey map, you know, after a long time, you know, having three first rounders for such a small country, it's it's great. And now it's up to the guys how they're going to develop, you know, how they're going to take another charge. But definitely it's a great, great start after a long time. You mentioned you love hockey. Is, is the next phase of your life going to continue in hockey? Like, will we ever see you in management more? Will we ever see you coaching? Where do you see this going for you? 
I believe if I would stay in Chicago and live there, you know, I would be closer with the Blackhawks. Uh, I could see myself doing something, uh, you know, full time. But because I'm over here, it's difficult. I'm, you know, talking with the Blackhawks about certain position too, because I like to be connected with a team. I had a success. I, I was the longest there with my career. And also my daughter was born in the city. So we definitely is like our second home and we love Chicago. So definitely like to continue to do something with the Blackhawks. Uh, you know, maybe it's going to be just a small part for now, and which is fine. But uh, I could see myself do something with the hockey, but uh, nothing major right now because I live in Slovakia. What about like Slovak national team or anything like that? Would you coach or be the GM for something like that? Yeah, so Miro Chatan, a longer time ago when I finished my career, he, you know, we had a meeting, uh, we had a coffee, we talked about it, like he would love me to do something to be involved. But I told him, like, uh, after hockey, I want to take a time off, you know, take yeah. a break, take a char. I mean, my other daughter was born just a couple of months ago, so uh, busy, busy house right now. And I am. Congrats, congrats. Yeah, thank you. And I have my company, you know, uh, with the 250 employees, so uh, we are busy here with a totally different uh, business than hockey. What are you doing? We have a company I invested a longer time ago, and I am uh, like the CEO of the company. We're distributing food. It's a food business, basically. We got like uh, 250 employees, around uh, 350 uh, stock items in uh, in the stores, and like 50 distribution vehicles, uh, warehouses, and uh, so it's all whole logistics. You know, so it's totally something different, hmm. but uh, it's cool to learn something new and uh, get more involved to the business side of the stuff. That's awesome. Great hands, great feet, great brain. Uh, Marion, congratulations <laughs> on the on the on the book. It's uh, it's a wonderful read. Best of luck with the book and and best of luck with whatever is next for Marion Hosa. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Thank you very much, Marion. Yeah, thank you. Good to see you guys. Ciao. Incredible hockey player with an incredible story. Thank you to Marion Hosa for stopping by the podcast. Again, the book called Hosa, My Journey from Trenchin to the Hall of Fame. And by the way, don't forget a new podcast coming out Friday morning. So that is the 30th. We'll record Thursday evening for a Friday morning drop back to a, I guess, quasi regular schedule here around the, uh, around the shop. Taking us out is our house band from last season. Jane's Party dropped a new album this past year and it's great. From that record, here's Jane's Party with Live Again on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Enjoy. Been a year since the misery, since I had it on top. I felt the weight of the history, can't find a way to make you stop.
You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.